assume this is the audience. Hello. So, hello UK Games Expo. This is Dudley's Radio, and I am one of the regular hosts, Chris. I am joined by James over there, who is in charge of technical details. Hello. And everyone else is in America, so you know, tough shit for them. Um, <laughs> but it's great. Mike was over it early in the year, which was really good because he hadn't been to Sheffield before, so it was weird to get like three hosts of Dudley's Radio what? in one room. Weird. I don't believe it. And of course, we are joined by a plethora of awesome guests from the likes of Onyx Path Publishing and from Modifius, representing White Wolf Paradox licensing for Vampire and other World of Darkness products. So we'll go down the line. We have Matthew Dawkins, who is can introduce himself. Oh, thanks. Uh, I, <laughs> thanks, oh, lad. This tablecloth is wet. Um, hey. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew. No, I'm Matthew Dawkins. I'm the, uh, I guess, lead World of Darkness developer at Onyx Path Publishing. And uh, I've done a little bit of work for Modifius as well. Uh, I worked on V5, on the core book, on the camera book, on the Anarch book in a limited capacity. And yeah, I am developing the V5 products that are currently being made by Onyx Path, among many other games. Mm -hmm. And next we have Clara. Yeah, my, my name is Clara Havel. I am a freelance writer for Onyx Path, and I also done some work, I do some work, for Modifius, uh, working on for all of them, which I think we'll be talking about soon. Um, and I work for uh, Leaf 5, where uh, for Onyx Path, where I'm writing for um, Let's just switch from red. Oh, yeah, nice. Chicago volumes too. Uh, well, I, I, I'm the only one on the And work for Werewolf, Changing the Dreaming, Contagion Chronicles, well, Dark Heroes 2. Now it's all coming back to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's your first song on the show, so welcome. And there we have Eddie Webb. Hello. Who works on a variety of products. Indeed. Uh, I am currently an in house developer uh, at Onyx Path Publishing. Um, primarily responsible for things like StoryPath games, as well as my creator on games like Book Realms of Pugmire. Um, I am the former Vampire of the Masquerade line developer, and so uh, Matthew challenged me to practice a new shirt for my throne. Um, but now I'm still helping out occasionally for writing for V5 as well. And finally, we're joined by Matt from Modifius. So, Matt, explain your role because you're. You just joined, haven't you, into yeah. this role, so... Yes, I recently joined Modifius. My name is Matt Pim, by the way. Um, I'm working as a line manager for uh, V5 and World of Darkness from the Modifius side of things. Um, so, yeah, I'm basically a sort of project manager, you could say, of, for the whole thing. So, the plan of this, because it's the 10th anniversary podcast, because it's been going on that long, and we've covered a lot of games in that time, of all variety of horror games, is have a nice kind of sandwich of horror and that's just died on me so yay um sandwich of horror is dead sandwich <laughs> of horror is dead so um we're going to talk about just what's cool coming up because there's a lot of great products mm -hmm. that we're going to be interested in so there's obviously v5 there's contagion chronicle is being developed it's been through kickstarter there's uh trinity continuum yep. has some nice horror elements mm -hmm. in there now it's got uh, that's good and um, and then also from the Modifius side, there's also uh, you know Cult we're just getting into recently, so we're going to talk very briefly about that as well. But we're trying to squeeze as much that's cool that you want to talk about. Sure. A few of us have worked on Cult. Of course. Yeah, we've all worked on Cult this table. So um, where should we start? What's the what's... Let's start with um, briefly Contagion Chronicles. We've had the Contagion Chronicle event taking mm. place here. So how did that 
go. Uh, so I can't take full credit for this. Uh, I participate in the Cthulhu Masters tournament, the Chaosium run at UK Games Expo, and have been for several years. I used to run games for it. And the way Cthulhu Masters works, or has worked, is that uh, different keepers will run different games of Call of Cthulhu set in different eras. You have Cthulhu Invictus by Gaslight, 1920s, modern, etc. And at the end of each session, a player is voted through to a final. Sometimes there's more than two rounds. And then you have your finals, which will generally be in some awful place like Rudy A, the Dreamlands. That's not so bad, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Plateau of Leng. And uh, then the player voted as champion, uh, Cthulhu champion, is given some kind of prize, which has ranged from uh, special editions of Call of Cthulhu to preserved brains to a golden Cthulhu statue. Now, we decided we'd do a similar thing with Chronicles of Darkness this year because something I'd noticed at UK Games Expo as well, you occasionally see World of Darkness games being demoed here. Uh, Chronicles of Darkness, not so much. You sometimes see Chronicles of Darkness straight, um, but we weren't seeing many Requiem games, uh, many werewolf games necessarily. And so I thought if we do a series of afternoon sessions, well, and in this case we ran Requiem, Forsaken, uh, Geist, Changeling, and Promethean, and a player from each of those games gets voted through to a final. That could be the Contagion Chronicle, nicely coinciding with our Kickstarter having just concluded, but the game being on back of it. And likewise, we could award a prize to the uh, person who was voted as most entertaining at the table of the final. So, how did the final showdown go, having that smorgasbord of supernaturals? Well, it went, I didn't see the end. No, it went about as chaotically as most Contagion Chronicles games <laughs> seem to go, uh, and I think that's almost part of the appeal of Contagion. Uh, there's the uncomfortable meet-up, where they have to introduce themselves to each other and explain what exactly the hell they are, uh, and having to deal with the fact that their reality is becoming corrupted. And one of the core themes of Contagion is, is change. And change sometimes for the better, for some creatures, but not necessarily for our protagonists. Uh, and when you're a very long-lived creature, for example, you become used to certain rituals, routines, you become used to your curse. Contagion exists to almost subvert that. In its simplest way, the way I always picture it, is what happens when a vampire no longer enjoys feeling. What happens when blood from their preferred vessel starts tasting like battery acid? Uh, well, how do they change their lifestyle? Such a vegan. Yeah, yeah, go vegan. Yeah, see how long that works. And uh, so in the, our Contagion Chronicle final, our characters were transported to Antarctica, uh, where, which is one of the homes of Contagion. And a very, the thing, it's, it's not even a homage. It's, I wouldn't call it a rip-off, but it's definitely a dedication. Uh, because it's just such a fantastic parasitic horror movie. Uh, and so our five characters were in Antarctica. They had to uh, investigate a research base with a lot of paranoia. The previous team of supernatural creatures that had been dispatched here by the Goblin Queen, that appeared in the Changeling Chronicle, had either been infected or were in hiding. Uh, the slasher that had been introduced in our guys, the Sin Eaters Chronicle, had been transported with them and promptly said, I'm not sticking around with you guys, I'm running in the opposite direction. But he, of course, saw a way to benefit from the contagion. Uh, and it really worked, I'll be honest, surprisingly well, uh, because I had about an hour and a half to prepare. 
know after finding out what happened in each of the sessions, uh, I was able to note down the key beats about the chronicles that were run and about the characters that went through. I already had a basic idea about Antarctica, paranoia, that kind of thing. And uh, the party, all credit to them, worked incredibly well together. Uh, Clara was on hand as well to co-storytell. She's providing sound effects, doing co oh, sound and, effects and as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. Was, at one point, a mountain mummy had to crack open his own rib cage and extract his heart uh, for for various and sundry reasons we won't go into today. But <laughs> it's, it's a frequent occurrence, really. Um, <laughs> the time. Yeah, uh, the slasher uh, sadly met a, a fateful denouement as the Promethean, tired of his uh, manic raving, hurled his favourite shovel through uh, the slasher's neck. Blessed by the change. Yeah, yeah, that, that was probably the most dramatic scene as the shovel <laughs> took to the air and flew its way towards the slasher on his gantry with his pile of scientist bodies. The changeling. Uh, enchanted the shovel, uh, and as the elements of contagion of where creatures can start sharing each other's powers had come into effect, the werewolf also enchanted the shovel, and so this great tail-spun shovel flew through the air and neatly impaled the slasher, making him plummet his doom into a writhing mound of contagious worms, which was probably good enough for him. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, in all, it was a fun session. And I think that gives a good flavour of what Contagion Chronicle is and what people can really get out of the game. Yeah. Out of that addition to the game. Yeah, I mean, the one of the fun things about Contagion is you can play it as mundane and nuanced as you like, or as uh, Splatterpunk, Cheesecake, call it what you like. We definitely went for the, I guess, most extreme themes of Contagion, where you have visible parasites, something out of Cronenberg. We had a deviant wandering around the Antarctic camp that was uh, uh, ruining its immaculate clone vat bread body by shunting bits of metal into itself to better spread Contagion as a vector. It was basically grabbing people's skulls, crushing them, and inserting these parasites into its head because it was completely taken over by Contagion. So. We were able to pull all of the elements of the games that were present there and some more. Uh, and yeah, Contagion can definitely be chaotic. It can definitely call into mind alien horror. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, you can use settings like the Odinster setting from Contagion Chronicle that Clara wrote that are far more, I guess, pernicious, where it's a subtle mental degradation that's yeah. driving people to depression and sometimes homicide or suicide. And, that's a game almost perfectly suited for something like Vampire, where your touchstones and your herds start falling apart. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we actually, uh, I think I have a player from my game yesterday, yeah? From my Requiem game. Um, so that's a, a completely different way to see Contagion, um, where, where as, as Matthew said, um, it's more of a mental, subtle uh, contagion, but it doesn't make it less scary. That actually can make it more scary, especially in a vampire uh, context. Um, where, where in, in my game specifically, we, we had a, a, a vampire who resorted to feed on, 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 on actually on children, uh, very innocent beings, because their, their usual like the usual herd just wasn't giving them enough anymore. Mm. It, it, it wasn't providing them with the energy they needed. Um, so they, 
that's that's where the horror elements of of that sort of contagion really can come into play. Cool. I think that gives a good overview of contagion and the most significant release or will be soon physical release at least because I mean your backers have had the the, the, the manuscript. Yeah. So and because you've been talking about vampires, I think that leads into the other flavour of vampire. We go from what I call the go from the jelly vampire to the more mint flavoured vampire. At least it was classically mint because it had green colour. So we go into things about masquerade. So you've been working on masquerade. Yeah. Um, so and we've got Matt here, we've got Matthew here, and we've got Eddie here. So there's a lot going on with V5 yeah. in upcoming releases because the Fall of London. That's been that's got cults of the Blood God. Yeah. So. Just say what you want about what's cool about what you've been working on and what you can say. Obviously, I'm not going to pressurize you in any way. <laughs> okay, so um, essentially the interesting thing here is that both we, Morpheus, and Onyx Path are working on books for V5. Mm -hmm. So Paradox has basically given both of us the ability to do this. And so we are essentially collaborating on this. Uh, as we mentioned, many of the writers are the same people. Um, and we're trying to, to make some interesting products that will uh, hopefully fascinate the uh, long-standing long people that have been paying for decades, like I guess most of us, and, uh, and those that are just coming into it. So, um, yeah, the, the reasons that we're doing on our, on our part in with Modifius, the, the main one, the one that everyone probably has heard about, is Fall of London. Um, uh, here, Clara and uh, Matthew ha um, have been working on it, so they may add some details about it if they wish. But uh, the other products that we're doing are the player's guide. We're working on a player's guide for B5 and a starter set whose idea is to allow people that have never played Vampire or people that want to get back into the newest edition and haven't, you know, haven't touched a Vampire book in many years, will be able to just jump into that and so. If they ask anyone, hey, where can I start? Well, you can start with this. Um, and the idea of that is it's a box set that will contain rules, a scenario, pre-generated characters, and some other goodies so that you will be able to um, to just run your game. And hopefully, if it works out like I expected to, the idea is for even a, a storyteller that has never, like someone who has not been a storyteller yet can become a storyteller by playing. So that's, uh, that's our goal there. And uh, we're very excited about it. Cool. Okay. That's, I mean, that's always the, the difficult thing is like how far do you want to dip your toe in? And, you know, sometimes, especially in this day and age with book prices, you, know, yeah. Yeah. you want something that's quick, a fast shot that has the, yeah. all the, the basic rules that you need to get a very exciting thing without overwhelming with like the whole kitchen sink of powers. Well, it certainly works out very well for Pathfinder, D&D, yeah. yeah, for Star Trek. Yeah. And Warhammer Fantasy's got the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's so, doing it. It's in yes. all the rage, so that's cool to have that. Um, what can we say about Fall of London? Because I'm trying to get a sense of what that book is trying to deliver. Well, I'll give the overview and Clara can give a bit of specifics, I suppose, on her yeah. portion of it. Mm -hmm. So the overview of the Fall of London uh, was, so it's a book I outlined. Uh, for Modifius, and uh, my part of the development process on it has now concluded. Uh, Steffi Devan is uh, taking development forward on it, which is fantastic because I love Steffi and I've worked with her for many years. Absolutely. And uh, the idea behind the Fall of London is this is the big chronicle, it is a big chronicle that uh, is your main introduction to the Second Inquisition as a potent antagonist in Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, it spans the course of time over which. London, as the name implies, 
falls to the Second Inquisition and the reasons behind it. And so your coterie of vampires aren't, however, just uh, witnesses to this, you are participants in it. Uh, you will be tasked by, well, frankly, Mithras, or Monty Coven, if you prefer, to eliminate set targets around the city. That's the plot at its simplest. But the fun thing about Fall of London is where at the start of the Chronicle you might attend a thriving Elysium in the Shard and get to see all that London has to see. That's in the prologue. Come chapter four, you may go back to the same Elysium and there's a, two, a couple of Nosferatu scuttling around trying to look inconspicuous because by this point, London's dilapidated. Uh, whether this is due primarily to the Second Inquisition's plot whether Mithras invited the Second Inquisition in and said, this vampire lives here, this vampire makes his haven there, and so on, just because Monty wants a big fight, is something that you can um, explore. But what's good about it is divided over, from memory, five chapters, uh, with prologue and epilogue as well. And it's going to have new player features in two. Uh, but what's good about it is it isn't linear. And it's interesting because something we, Eddie, Clara, and myself were discussing earlier this weekend, writing a Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle is always a challenge yeah. because it's such a socially driven game, mm -hmm. such a politically driven game. You, it isn't a dungeon crawl, there is no point A to point B, and if there is, it often doesn't feel like Vampire. Yeah. So The Fall of London is explicitly not linear. Uh, the chapters can be played in many orders, and you could team up with many different factions and go in many different directions. And London does not have to fall in your game. Uh, there's a lot more openness in that regard. So yeah, uh, it will reintroduce some favorite characters, but it's not going to be leaning heavily on existing meta block. It's part of the gateway into V5, so it's all about establishing new points. Great. Yeah, I can add to that because I wrote one of the chapters in the book and um, I don't want to spoil too much. But, but what I will add is the theme I was building a lot on, on my chapter specifically. Because I wanted it to be a, I wanted it to be a, a almost a, um, a, a, we talked about dungeon crawl, but I always wanted it to be like a dungeon crawl horror because you are spending a lot of your time in my chapter in the London Underground. Where you are running through tunnels, where you can hear the second inquisition bombing the, the ground above you, trains are passing by you, you're trying to avoid them, there are creatures crawling on the walls, and on top of this, you are growing increasingly hungry. So you are you're getting closer and closer to actually getting into almost like frenzy inside of this restricted space. And that's, that's what I'm really uh, heavily playing on in my chapter, is, is that horror, is that feeling of, we can get out of here. Um, yeah. yeah. That it, sounds great. Yeah. Forgotten Realms has the Underdark, um, Fall of London has the Tube. Which could be the tagline for Booty, you can have that one for free. It's a really cool idea, you can transcribe that to, you can use that even as a pattern for the same sort of style of story in anywhere that has an underground yeah. network, oh, yeah. so exactly. its utility is actually, there's loads of use for it, so that's exactly, great. Yeah. It, it's, it was interesting actually developing that up to the point that I did, because 
we don't really explore subterranean horror much in, in Vampire. And it's something that comes up in the fiction of Paramount with characters like Becca exploring tombs. And I think it appears in Diablo in Mexico, where you're raiding a, an Aztec temple or something uh, like that. But it's never really given word count, it's never really flavored. Bloodlines is a pretty strong subterranean level. That's true, there's a lot of sewers yeah. in Bloodlines, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how players cope with starvation as your main theme. Starvation and desperation yes. as vampires. Great. Um, let's sandwich some other stuff in and keep it nice and diverse. So, uh, Trinity Continuum. Yes. Because obviously that has horror elements within it with like the, the aberrants and the as they evolve within the setting from the game Aberrant to yeah. Trinity. So what can you introduce to our audience who are maybe less aware of it that you can go, this is kind of horror which will grab you? Um, so uh, the practice for people who don't know, uh, the Trinity Continuum is a, a property that originally was owned by White Wolf that uh, Onyx Path purchased and now we completely own. Um, and we do have right now a, a we're in the process of releasing our core rule book. So it's a bit like uh, Chronicles of Darkness where they had the blue book and then you buy an additional one. Um, it's like that, but the core book's actually modern day. Um, so an area we've actually never covered in this property before. Um, and that is, on its surface, a little more kind of uh, uh, um, action adventure, to be, to be perfectly handed. Um, you're playing what are called talents, people who are slightly more uh, talented above everybody else. Uh, but it introduces the concept of flux, uh, the idea that you can slightly manipulate the world around you. Um, so then we, the first one is Aeon, which is our space opera setting. It's set a number of years, centuries in the future. Um, and there are creatures known as Aberrant, like you mentioned, um, which are super-powered individuals that are trying to just destroy everything. Um, they are corrupted by a, 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 a flux that is very similar to the ones that player characters have. So you already start establishing that there's this darker underbelly to what seems to be relatively straightforward genre games. Um, well, uh, uh, the next manuscript we're working on right now is Aberrant, so we kind of see how you make that step, except after the modern day, it's about 10 years in the future, um, but also uh, between then and Aeon. And it's, again, it's not simply a, a super heroic setting, um, but there are characters, if you use your powers too often, you eventually transcend and eventually become too alien to live on this world. Um, so what happens when Superman becomes so powerful he no longer understands the world becomes more Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and so it's not an explicit like body horror, perhaps more psychological horror of you're playing the characters and you can see on the timeline, on the spectrum, on the continuum, where your characters will eventually end up. Um, so it's that kind of inevitability uh, and of course, obviously, your individual character. Well, my character's not going to do that. You can have that freedom, but inevitably, the character you're playing now will become the antagonist of one of the other games in the line. So that's one of the ways we're playing with it is using the meta knowledge that the players have to inject an element of horror into the games they have. But we do also have um, flux. Uh, we used to call taint in the original edition. That's a bit of a loaded word now. Um, uh, flux allows you to actually you know, show that like there's going to be darker elements that count if you abuse this power too much. Um, and then on top of that we have, uh, especially in, in uh, Aberrant, um, the idea of what happens when you have some power and you combine that with elements of celebrity mm -hmm. and social media. Um, so it's like, it's one thing in a superhero comic where the bad guy comes down and blows up a building and people die. It's another thing when a character 
accidentally destroys a building and then it's all over social media, it goes viral, and if you have the best of intentions, how people react and how people react to you, um, there's an element of societal pressure, which again has this potential for horrific elements. Um, so definitely, it's not explicitly a horror game, but it's a game that easily pitched towards a much darker take, I think, and it gives a lot of texture and depth that Honest Path games are really known for. Cool. And then also related to that, you've had just had out the second edition for Scion that used the same as the story path system. Again, right, yeah. And that's that's uh, mythological mythological figures, demigods in our world, but again, you know, there's horror elements with that that right. turn up with dark gods or mm -hmm. even Cthulhu mythos, I think is something that's yeah, going to be working in. Yeah, so um uh, uh for we have uh, uh Origin, which is kind of your just discovering your godly mantle, your godly uh, lineage heroes when you actually embrace becoming a hero. And this is hero in the mythological sense and still in the modern sense. So like you could be a capital H hero and still not be a good person. Um, so we still have that kind of uh, kind of horrific element. Um, and then of course demigod and god is where we're going down. But separately one of them is masks and mythos. It's kind of an alternative take. So basically you take origin and then apply this book kind of in lieu of or in conjunction with the hero book and it's like what if the Cthulhu Pantheon has their own scions? Mm. And what do you do when a pantheon kind of, of either goes bad or is starts bad? Because um, you know you'll have people, not stable people worshiping mythos. <laughs> you know the elder gods are not people like going, let's go to church and worship because they're no, they're not people to hang out with, and so that taints and changes the games. And so we have the lovely uh, Chris Spivey of um, uh, uh, the Harwood thing. Um, he is helping us with that to kind of not only presents a Cthulhu mythos that that's modern and inclusive and works with Siren, but also to kind of tweak and adjust the mechanics. So people get a strong feeling of what it's like to actually have even the game system itself a little corrupted by the influence of these creatures. And Chris is also working on Chicago by Night as well. Yep. So yep. he's contributed to that. So yeah, yeah, the writers are <laughs> everywhere and everywhere on all of this. And then to I guess to we can bookend some of this then talk briefly about Colt, because that's just had the hard copies have just gone out to yep. backers recently, because I've got a review copy, we've got uh, the Black Madonna, which is a classic scenario uh, adventure that's been you know, using Power by the Apocalypse. Uh, I actually now get Power by the Apocalypse properly, having read that. Oh, excellent. Because I have City of Mist, and I was like, that's the lingo, the the jargon of things that sometimes you take for granted. Well, yes. Most people wouldn't use cults as a jumping on point. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but Chris, by God. Yeah. <laughs> my wife lets the artwork went, oh, those are all inspirations for fashion shoots and stuff. So yeah, she likes it. We've got, well right now my gaming group going, it's Hellraiser the RPG because of some of the artwork, but yeah, again, it, it touches some of the things, classic themes like Mage of the Ascension and Mage of the Awakening. Yeah. Oh yeah, on the extreme end of the wedge. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it is, it's definitely Hellraiser the RPG. Yeah, that, that is exactly what Cult is designed to be. And so Modifius are distributors for that yes. in Europe and US. I think so. And then yeah. what other books have we had out for that and what's on the horizon? So, so that it's a Helmgast game and Helmgast have currently got produced the core book, as you say, Black Madonna Taroticum, which deals with lots of the scenarios. And oh, I'm trying to think a tarot deck. Yeah, yeah, there's a beautiful tarot deck, there's a soundtrack. They, and there's a player's um, a book of ready-made player characters. With the other types, yeah. Uh, they have currently got some other books plan. I don't know which of them are announced. I know that we've worked on one of them. Right, I'm trying to say, has that been announced? On but books? I know so, there's another book of scenarios coming oh, soonish, which may even be on Kickstarter. Uh, but 
the one we worked on, and this is a peek behind the curtain uh, into the RPG industry. Uh, as sometimes happens, you might write a substantial portion of words for a book, and the company might go quiet for a couple of years, uh, for various and sundry reasons, most of them perfectly legitimate. And sometimes the business plan will change. Now, sometimes that means words will be lost, they'll be locked away forever, and that's very unfortunate for writers, fans, and all concerned. But other times, that content will be split up, divided into other books, and used for, for other purposes. Which means writers might find their credits turning up in books they didn't even know they contributed to. Uh, so I've got my, my guesses for what will probably happen with the book we wrote, uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing the content. I'm pretty confident it's going to get out there in some fashion. Cool. And then I think to finish off, because I don't want to like, jam, get rushed through things. So going down the line, because obviously there's various different products on the horizon that you may be able to say, look out for this. So go you know, highlight what do you think that's the one which you should you know, either I've worked on, it's great, or maybe you've not worked on, but you still think that's fantastic that you want to go back it because there's like various Kickstarters coming up, like I know Deviant is one. And then highlights of Expo, because this is the first time Alex Path has had its booth here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, we've been running uh, you know, sessions and demos. I've been running V5 demos. I've been running V5 demos on the Modifius stand. Modifius' mm -hmm. um, stand is bigger than ever as well. So yes. we'll just go down the road. We'll start with Matt. What's your highlight then from Expo and upcoming product you go that you can tease or whatever? Okay. Well, um... In my case, I've loved this. This is my first major convention. I mean, I'm from Argentina. Our conventions are a bit smaller, but um, this has been amazing to me. Met lots of wonderful people, many that I've met in the over the internet in the past, and now I finally met them in, you know, in person. Quick, quick side story. Um, in the, the you were interviewed. I think interview was ten years ago. Not better, but anyway, right around the time your podcast started. Um, you interviewed me at the same day that I was working on my own podcast, White Chapel, where I met Matt Tim. Oh, right. And I just realized it was the same Matt Tim, like, yesterday. Such <laughs> <laughs> wow. so a weird okay. synchronicity right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that's, that, that's, that's pretty weird. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying it. As, as I said, I've been running uh, V5 as well with two great response. Um, running games in English to me was kind of novelty, so <laughs> it was like, wow, I can do this. And people even applauded at some point, which which made me very very happy. That's cool. um, so yeah, so if anyone is listening, thank you for playing. And um, as for products, I, I think I mentioned the ones. The only one I didn't mention earlier is that we're planning at some point to do a second inquisition book, which, okay. as Matthew said, um, it will be um, it will be introduced in the Fall of London uh, campaign or Chronicle book to be correct. Um, and at some point we're probably going to do a second inquisition, but at this point it's just concept so but that's I think it has been announced somehow I'm eager to hear more about SO13 all the time excellent um, Eddie same questions uh, yeah um, honestly uh, the big highlight is obviously to be here it's my first ever uh, UK Game Expo um, it's only my second European convention at all um, uh, so I'm really just happy to be here and also just seeing people that either we've talked to primarily online uh, or seen like once or twice in like several years, so like we can see you guys again. Um, also, you know, seeing some of our freelancers like Lara and Steffi and uh, John Burke and all of them that we I've worked with for years now, but I actually never met face to face. And just being able to have a, a drink or a dinner with them is really, really helpful. But also meeting all of um, the, the British fans, all the fans who came out here, um, who are excited to talk about the stuff we work on, this is really, really great. It helps me 
helps get me through the days when the internet is perhaps not as respectful of the work that I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you for the next few weeks of that. Um, and one of the, the beef I probably did talk about, that actually I, I did write on them happy about, uh, is um, uh, Boxcap is doing a blood cult book. Yes. Um, but it's also going to have information about the, the Hecata clan. Yeah. Um, and, and Matthew uh, uh, encouraged me, and I put that in air quotes, um, told me uh, that I was going to do lore sheets for that. Uh, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so um, I got to do lots of the deep lore stuff. Um, little references to stuff I remember doing in B20, giving a nice modern B5 spin, um, but also things like uh, going to like, the Giovanni families and um, uh, some of the other, like, you know, some of the little bloodlines that maybe we could showcase in B20 for various reasons, kind of giving them little nods and references, as well as updating and adding new things to it. And so, Cappadocian lore sheet. Some information, possibly. So, so um, <laughs> suffice it to say, I have uh, I have pitched a very interesting spin on Cappadocians that Matthew was rigidly reluctant to do, but I turned him around. So, cool. Okay. Um, that takes some doing. I know, right? I, I was very happy about that moment. Um, Clara, same questions. Yes, yeah, so, so this is my first UK expo, and it's my first like really big expo, and I'm the same as Matt in Denmark. We don't have a lot of big expos. We don't have room for it. Very small, monthly. <laughs> <laughs> Spacious uh, room. Yeah. <laughs> Spacious <laughs> um, No, uh, what's been really fascinating for, for me is to meet all the fans and meet all the enthusiasm about our games. It's such a great surprise for me when I can run a game and people are like talking about it afterwards and being happy. And I meet people and say, hey, you actually, I'm running this game that you helped write. And that, that's, that's, that's really. That's amazing. That's worth everything. Um, one of the games I'm really looking forward to is Chicago by Night. Um, some of you might have heard about it. Uh, it's a game I have right. I, I wrote the chronicle in it for the sacrifice, and it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proudest of. One of my proudest works. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see that if uh, if I um, yeah. Uh, what well, people can be able to buy it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellent. No, I'll leave it. Like, Chronicles by Night, this of course has the Lasombra in it as well, so mm -hmm. I'm eager to see those glorious, thing, like... glorious assholes return yeah. to Camarilla now, which is also well, great. Well, some of them. Some of them. Not so much. Not all of them. Now, ju just to explain that briefly before I get on to my favourite. Sure, ones. go. So, it seems a lot of people, uh, no, not a lot of people, some people are saying, the La Sombra wouldn't join the camera. The camera wouldn't let the La Sombra join. After hundreds of years of war, they wouldn't let them join. The, the deal that's proposed in Chicago by night is for every La Sombra that we allow in, you must be prepared to sacrifice an elder La Sombra. Nice. So what the camera is basically saying is half the size of your clan. But even more than that, they could take it to an extreme. Now, the Lasombra probably aren't going to do that. They're, in fact, going to be handing over members of the Sabbat that they find disagreeable. Or even Anarchs they find disagreeable. Or even Camerona they find disagreeable. No one really cares. The point is, the Camerona's found a perfect way of culling another <laughs> kindred that are problematic. And that works for the, obviously, works in conjunction with the second position being a threat. You've got yep. less people, less Exactly, and, and it plays into the Lasombra. Darwinism uh, focus of well now we can prove that we are the apex predator because we can go around saying well you're not worthy you're not worthy and we're the deciders. Yeah, so how I built like sacrifice is you as a group can actually be the decisive factor of 
the suffrage or any Bicamarilla are not. I'm not going into too much detail about it, but uh, player initiative is super important for me as a writer, so that's something I really want to include. Um, so you, you, that's up to you as a player um, to decide if they're joining it. So you have all the responsibility in your Yeah, yeah. Would you allow these people in your system? Uh, so my highlight of the convention is uh, just to sound a bit old for a second. I've been coming here since the very first UK Games Expo. Obviously not here directly. The first one was in the Clarendon Suites back when it was very small and. The only cosplayers you had were two stormtroopers and a viking. <laughs> and uh, obviously it has grown substantially since then. And while I've never had any part to play in the organization of Expo beyond running lots of games for several years, it's still a source of some, I guess, almost cultural pride, local pride mm -hmm. or uh, hobby pride that I've been able to see this convention grow and grow and grow. And what has been very special to me, uh, again, not affecting me directly, is seeing the number of families around UK yeah. Games Expo. And it's, uh, I wouldn't call it unique, I'm sure there's other conventions like it, but a lot of the other conventions I go to, you just don't see so many uh, parents with children walking around games conventions. I yeah. think the nearest thing I experience I have of a convention like that is obviously Essen Spiel, which I went to when I was in Germany. And of course that is, you know, that's the big shopping yeah. Like trip for so many parents in yeah. Germany, and wargaming RPGs are actually less important mm. there compared to the more family board games type of thing because that's just cultural differences. Right. So it's well, nice that, Essen, that UK Expo fulfills all yeah, of that. I mean, that's the thing, it fulfills multiple roles. How fantastic is it to have a convention that not only serves collectors and role playing game enthusiasts and avid gamers, but also acts as a day out for a family? Right. That, that's that's wonderful because it means you're hitting all the targets you could possibly want from my perspective. In terms of upcoming Kickstarters that I am enthusiastic about, well, obviously I currently want Pirates of Pugmire. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Which, which, while not obviously horrific, it is in a, a post-apocalyptic world. On an acid sea. That is a badass on the cover. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, you are sailing the acid sea, and that, that's not just a fun name when you fall in. But on top of that, uh, a Chronicles of Darkness game that will be upcoming is Mummy the Curse, yes. second edition, which I have been developing. And I think it is really going to excite uh, established fans of Mummy, but new people as well. And getting new people into Mummy is something I really want to do. I think people can find out more of that from the traditional Dragon League Copy mm. uh, oh, right, episode yeah. where we had uh, yeah. Dave Brookshaw and Chris Allen. Yes, I gave Chris leave to talk about it. Yes, yeah, so yeah. after we describe it, the way I now describe Mummy is Egyptian quantum leap because of the <laughs> way you move through time is not linear. That's not bad. Yeah, surely. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would Hoping the next leap bad. is back to the Duat, maybe, or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to find out what the ancient uh, Iramite or Iramic uh, way of saying, oh boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where are these judges sent me now? Excellent. Um, I think that is everything. We're not going to do a secret frequency because I'm not prepared for that. Uh, my brain is melting. Um, I've really enjoyed running Vampire from Dickens and really enjoyed it helping out with Geist and having my slash turn up in this finale. <laughs> Good seeing everyone again. We've got James here helping out as always, who we you know, also are getting stuff plugged through Beast War on Tabletop. They're growing again, so again, they want more RPG content. So 
stay tuned. We might well be doing some more recorded play stuff for them. Because uh, they know who to turn to. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my guests. Thank you, James, for doing the technical stuff. Even though it's bigger than the, you, you've already doubled the numbers of uh, World Darks Berlin. I know it's Sunday, so everyone's you know off buying no. stuff. So they're lost. And that is everything. And goodbye. Oh no, wait. Where can we find us all? So you can come to www.darkdays.org, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Obviously, Onyx Path Publishing yep. has its website, has the Onyx Path, pa uh, Onyx Path Cast, where you can get really up-to-date information and yep. insight into how to design games and write them, and that hilarious podcast. And we've actually, we've actually done some recording here at the show, so we're going to have some episodes coming up soon of, from the expo. So. Uh, really dark brown vibes. Yes, and then Modiphius, obviously, you know, you can get up to, you have a, is there a magazine, I think, or something Modifia. like that? Yeah, and is there a... Is there a podcast as well, something like that? Mm -hmm. no. we, we actually do uh, online sessions that are right. shown all oh, yes. and uh, YouTube and, and Facebook as well. Uh, I think, there, but definitely Twitch and uh, YouTube where we have where we showcase our games, like John so, Carter of Mars yeah. recently as one. So like Conan, for example, also yeah. And of course on YouTube, you guys have been doing playthroughs of things like Contagion Chronicle yeah. and Zion and yeah, we do Everything, some exalted yeah. character creation as well. That's my first introduction to Exalted this many years and had never played it, so... Now is um, your time. So Neil, Ramon Price and Dixie Cochran took me how, through how to create a Lunar, and now I like it. Excellent. <laughs> and that is a good time to end, so goodbye. <laughs>